I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Everybody, we are back and better than ever. I don't know about better than ever, but we're back. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I I am so much better than last week. I'm just... functioning better this week. Yes. <laughs> good, good. Are you hydrated and ready to go? I am hydrated. I've had some cookies. I've had some queso. I feel good. I have too. We decided to forego like a formal lunch and have what I refer to as snackies. Love some um, snacks. So we had some snacks and our bellies are full and, and we're ready. Ready to let's, rock and roll. Let's let the fun begin, huh? Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> as always, um, we're heading back to October 31st, 1994. So Halloween 94. Halloween. My favorite holiday. I I love Halloween. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. good time. Um, the number one song is going to sound super familiar. Okay. Because it was also the number one song in the story I covered, Please Find My Babies. Oh, Because this it? is the same time period. Right. Um, which is I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men that you didn't know. But I know it now. Good. It's a great song. I got it. It's so great. All right. So that was the number one song. That was actually the number one song for 14 weeks. That's crazy. 14 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then they followed it up with um, On Bended Knee, which was also a boy's Mm. They were just on fire. Mm. Anyway, TLC, the group, released their song Creep um, on Halloween. I know that one too. Yeah, just creep. Keep it on the download. Okay. Um, and that ended up being the number one song of the year in 1995. Like, wow. most popular of That's 1995. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and then on Halloween in 94, Venus Williams, the tennis player, mm-hmm. who was 14 years old at the time, makes her debut. And she wins a tennis match 6-3 to three over a national champion. That's crazy. Isn't it, though? And she was 14. Wow. I mean... Of course, she was destined for success. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. In Asheville, North Carolina. Back in Asheville. Back in Asheville. Our favorite place. That's right. I covered Asheville um, two weeks ago. Yeah. We were the story in, of Zeb Quinn. Yeah, we were in Ohio last week. That's right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So in Asheville, North Carolina, on Halloween morning, 1994... Karen Lynn Stiles, who was a 22-year-old recent graduate of Western Carolina University, had come back home and she was staying with her parents who lived in Candler. This is sort of the western area Mm -hmm. of the Asheville area. So she was staying with her parents, and a habit she had gotten into um, while in college was going out and running um, in in the woods and on trails. And, you know, a lot of college students did that. That was very popular. Um, And so there are a lot of trails in this area. So she decided that she was going to go to the Pisgah National Forest area, Mm -hmm. the Bent Creek area, Mm -hmm. and that she was going to go run on one of the trails. So Halloween morning, she gets up and she gets there around eight o'clock. Now, her parents' house is probably 10, 15 minutes away. So it's not far. Parks her car and then goes out for a run. Well, by that night, her parents get worried because she's not come home. Yeah. 
Um, they haven't heard from her. You know, she, usually she was really good about checking in. And from last they knew, she was going to go for a run and come back. Mm-hmm. So they were really concerned. So they end up calling the police. And the police check around and they find her car uh, parked at the trail site. And they find her keys a few, you know, hundred yards away, just haphazardly on the trail. So, like, like she dropped them, or... Yeah, it looks like maybe she dropped her keys. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe she's had gotten hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and she dropped her keys so she wasn't able to get back to the car. I, I don't know, you know. Where? I mean, there's so many things that go through your head at this point. Mm-hmm. Her car was actually discovered um, in this parking lot uh, near a road called Hard Times Road. Hard Times Road? Which feels apropos. It's not a road I want to be on. No, no. Kind of like a hard knock road or something like (laughs) that. I just don't know if I want to live there. No? Um, So, fearing the worst, um, authorities started a ground and aerial search of that area, as well as the rest of Buncombe County, which Mm -hmm. is the county that Asheville's in, um, Henderson County, which is south of there, and all through the Blue Ridge Parkway, which was right nearby. Right. So they're doing a pretty um, thorough search of the area, trying to find her. Um, They find nothing. Huh. So, like, huh. Okay. Yeah. um, They haven't been able to find anything, which is so frustrating, obviously, to them and her family. Yeah. So two weeks later, on November 13th, um, wildlife officers found a bloodstained T-shirt that was relatively close to the trail um, in and around Lake Powhatan, um, which only intensified the search. Yeah. Um, And a month later after she went missing, almost a month, on November 25th, which was the day after Thanksgiving, a deer hunter came upon Karen's nude body. She had been duct taped to a tree in a wooded area. um, The same wooded area that had actually been searched through twice. Huh. Yeah, I'm like, how did they miss her if they searched through it twice? Or was she there the whole time? Yeah. She was there, she put there later. Um, so I can tell you she was actually there the whole time. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah which also is like, that's weird. Did somebody just not search their area properly? Right, or... right. Maybe it was just a, kind of a quick breeze through. Maybe it was really hidden. I'm not really sure. Maybe. Some shrubs. <clears throat> so this scene was actually pretty grisly. Yeah. Um, so in addition to Karen, um, they found a duct tape wrapper, a pornographic magazine, and a Remington 22 caliber shell casing. Karen was wearing only a shirt and athletic shoes, so uh, she didn't have any pants or any other. And, and this was October, so it was probably pretty chilly. Um, I mean, you don't go around without your pants. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, some might, but, you know. It's, yeah. It's a little cold. It's cold. Yeah. Keep yourself warm. Yep. All right, so... Um, Upon autopsy, the cause of death was determined to be a single gunshot wound to the right temple. Um, They also noted that she had had several stun gun marks on her body, one above the left breast and several to the pelvic area. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. Um, she had also uh, been raped. Oh. And detectives recognized the... 
um, when they were scavenging the area, they recognized the generic brand of duct tape from the wrapper, um, and it was actually a brand sold at Kmart, which this Kmart was very close. It was in an area called Biltmore Square, um, which is very close to this walking trail. So, I mean, it's within maybe, maybe two miles Mm -hmm. of that. It's very close. Um, So quickly, taking the lead, they went to Kmart and scoured through tons and tons of receipts um, in and around the time that she disappeared. And, you know, this is a time period where a lot of people shop at Kmart, so they had their work cut out for them. Well, and also, who's to say this... Whoever did this didn't buy their duct tape like years ago. Yeah, I mean, they have it on a shelf somewhere. I mean, I've got duct tape on shelves that oh god haven't been opened with my zip ties and my tarps and you know shovels. One day you're going to be your own episode. (laughs) You are maybe. Yeah, maybe. Not mysteries, tales of Haley. (laughs) We'll keep you updated. Dun dun dun. Gosh, help me. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So they scoured through tons of receipts, and they were really trying to narrow it down to within a week or two prior to her disappearance. So anything in that late October. Mm-hmm. And if you heard that, that's me flipping my page. I've got her notes written out. I always I handwrite my notes. I'm so fancy. <laughs> um, or old school, whichever. So they finally found a receipt that was dated for October 28th, which was three days prior to... Um, the disappearance. Okay. And they noticed that on the receipt, not only was it duct tape, but there was a purchase of a 22 caliber rifle, a box of Remington 22 caliber ammunition, a flashlight, batteries, and of course, the duct tape. You can buy guns at a Kmart? Yes. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, I know you can get them at the Walmart, but I didn't know the Kmart. The Well, and all Kmarts are closed here now, but yeah, yeah at the Kmart, you could get yourself a gun. Huh. Mm-hmm. Never been in that section of the Kmart. Well. Oh, that's shocking. <laughs> no, I, um, uh, me and guns are not a... Yeah, no. They, they make me good. nervous. Yeah, same. So, um, but anyway, isn't that, okay, so I, when I was reading this and, and going over this, I was thinking to myself, doesn't the cashier take just a moment, just a beat, and go, hmm, what's he going to do with all this stuff? I mean, I'm sure. I would. I'm sure that was the topic of, like, I mean, it's in not a reason room. to call the cops or something, but yeah, you know, you're, you're having your bologna sandwich, and you're like, oh my gosh. That guy. Cheryl. That, you know, that guy, Cheryl, did you see, did you see what he was buying? Oh my (laughs) gosh. You know, at least Mm -hmm. like a water cooler conversation or something, but yeah, alas, maybe it appeared that he was going hunting or camping or something. I don't know what you would do with duct tape. Right. I mean, I know now that like, I think especially post 9-11, there's a lot more like, there's certain things that pop up if you mm-hmm. buy them. Um, Box cutters. Like, all together in, like, a, like one order. Like, I know if you're, like, especially with, um, you know, unfortunately, this area is, has been pretty, hit pretty hard by, you know, drug issues and things like that. And there's some, some meth issues. So I know, especially, like, you know, Sudafed and I don't know what else one uses mm-hmm. to make meth. But I know Sudafed and some other things that if you buy in succession, like, all in one thing, it, like, flags. Yeah. 
So as like a, hey, this is, you know, suspicious. Don't go for your combo deals, you know. No, no. Shop elsewhere. Right. <laughs> Get them all at different that's places. Sad. I mean, don't make meth and don't murder people. So that's also, your PSA. There's your PSA for You're the week. Welcome. Don't make meth and don't murder people. <laughs> right. That seems self-explanatory, it's, but, you but, know. But, you know, we're we, this, we well, are on this podcast. Exactly, so, so clearly it's, it's not. not working. So <laughs> investigators ended up pulling the ATF, um, um, and this is called, it's a form, and it's otherwise known as a uh, 4473, which is a firearm transaction record. So any time that someone, and I had to look this up because I just don't know, this is created by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Um, oh. So, yes, this is a six-page form that is to be filled out. Now, this is how it was in 1994. I'm sure things are different. But they had to fill this out um, in purchasing this gun. Okay. Yeah. So, this person filled out name and contact info and all this stuff, so they were able to pull a name. And they got the name of Richard Allen Jackson. Now, Jackson was a 26-year-old married father with two kids, um, who at the time were just three and four, so they were little. Yeah. Um, He had been adopted by J.D. Jackson, who was a prominent Asheville real estate mogul. Um, He actually was known in the area for doing really nice things for the school system and helping pay uh, for lunches, I guess, if children couldn't afford them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, nice things like that. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, civic leader, so people really knew a lot of him and a lot about him and really respected him. So his son, Richard Allen, um, worked as a dishwasher at his father's restaurant. This is called the Mountain View Restaurant. Okay. Um, and he lived in a trailer right behind the restaurant. Um, and this was only a mile away from that walking trail. Huh. So, uh, side note, my grandparents love this restaurant. <laughs> they went there all the time. Um, and they would take us, and I remember them talking to Richard Allen Jackson quite what? a bit. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. Isn't that a really creepy small That's world? Weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah, super creepy. Um, anyway, so Jackson agreed to be interviewed by the police, and he came in on December the twentieth. He actually waived his Miranda rights and started answering questions regarding his background and the whereabouts leading up to Karen's disappearance. So I had to look this up. Mm -hmm. Um, When someone waives their Miranda rights, it means that, because I just wanted to double check on this, it means that in that moment and in that line of questioning, they're not asking for a lawyer and they're saying that they're not keeping silent. Because part of your... Miranda rights is that you have the right to remain silent. Mm-hmm. You have a right to an attorney. Yeah. At this moment, he's totally fine just having this, you know, discussion. basic discussion, conversation. All right. So investigators are firing off some questions to him. He's answering and in walks the sheriff, Sheriff Bobby Medford at the time. So he walks into the interview room and just like no bullshit cuts to the point and says what did you do with the gun you shot Karen Stiles with dang right out the gate there yeah Just i mean hit him with it right like you know we're not going to play this game and i think that as i like to call it a shit sandwich whenever i'm delivering bad news to somebody mm-hmm. i give them a positive 
and then I give them the meat part of the story, Mm -hmm. and then I give them a closing positive. So I could say, Haley, your hair looks so nice today. Uh, Haley, I don't ever want to do a podcast with you again. You've been great to work with. You know, see how that happens? Okay. Yeah, and I feel very um, validated. Thank you. You're welcome. It's because I work that's well. And you know that's not true. I can't quit you. <laughs> okay. But so seemingly that's what these officers were attempting to do. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, shooting the breeze, trying to get, you know, information. Because in doing so, he would probably give a lot away mm-hmm. versus just, you know. But... The sheriff was like, you know, I'm just going for it because this, let's cut the crap and let's get to it. So, um, at that moment, what does Jackson say? Ah, I think I need a lawyer present. Ah, man. Yeah. Always a lawyer up. Which I mean, good. I mean, like, if you're ever being questioned for anything, always, always have a lawyer present. Make sure you've got your lawyer present. And never take a polygraph. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Just yeah. never do that. Exactly. That's just, you know, they're so unreliable. Exactly. Just don't do that. Exactly. So the lawyer isn't quickly called. And in the midst of all this, the sheriff says, leans in and says, son, I know you bought the rifle and the duct tape at the Kmart on the 28th of October. I know you were in Bent Creek on the day she was killed. And that's fine. But you need help. Oh, Sheriff, stop talking. Yeah. Because this is going to end poorly. I think so. This is not Not what we do. Yeah. So, the investigators end up calling the DA's office to consult with them. Um, But the questioning continued. Ah. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, Jackson, after constant questioning, breaks down and says that yeah he knows what happened to karen and he gives them a run-through of what happened well that's all well and good but now they can't use any of it well we'll get there we'll get there all right so he claimed that he was sitting in his car um in the parking lot of the nature trail when karen pulled up around eight o'clock in the morning he was watching her from his car as she stretched and then started to run out towards the trail He put the duct tape, the stun gun, and the pornographic magazine in his coat pockets, and he took his gun and started down the trail. Karen passes him along the trail, and he quickly takes his gun out and points it at her. Yeah. She, thinking this is a robbery, reaches down out of her shoe and pulls out her car key, and she tells him, listen, you know, I've got money in the car. Just you take can just it. yeah, just take it. So you you could take the car, you can take the money, like whatever you need. Just don't hurt me. Instead, he puts duct tape over her mouth and eyes, uh. and he leads her into a wooded area. He then duct tapes her to a tree, and removes her clothing. Uh. Yeah, can you imagine how terrified? No, I can't even. Um, so once she is nude and duct taped, um, he proceeds to rape her. Mm-hmm. She was begging him not to hurt her, um, but as she pleaded and cried, he would repeatedly use the stun gun on her um, to make her be quiet. And several times the duct tape fell from around her mouth, and he kept trying to put it up. Um, afterwards, he um, after the rape... 
he grabbed his pornographic magazine, and while she was there and, and duct taped and scared, he masturbated in front of her to yeah. the magazine. Um, when the duct tape over her mouth loosened yet again, she started screaming for help. This is when he says that he panicked, and he put the gun to her fit, to her right temple, and he pulled the trigger, oh. which killed her instantly. Yeah. He said that, you know, after this, this kind of freaked him out, so he... Oh. Yeah, right? So he runs off back towards his car and then drives away. Now, here's the kicker. He takes the gun back to Kmart for a full refund. What? Yep. Yep. It's like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Did he think, like, oh, if I take it back, they won't know that I bought it? Maybe. Maybe. I'm like, oh, it's back, so obviously I couldn't have used it because yeah, it's Yeah, and my name's not on the ATF, so they can't trace me. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just committed a murder with... And, you know, there's... I fired it. Like, I used it. I mean, but maybe it was it misfired or something's wrong with it. But if anything, you would think they would give him store credit or <laughs> even say, well, you know, would you like to try a different gun, son? I don't know. I don't That's, know. It's just weird to take That it was back. so weird. That was really weird. So, yes, maybe that was part of his, I won't get caught if I take it back to the Kmart. So, um, they've heard everything that they need to hear. And he was arrested and booked initially on charges of first-degree murder and first-degree kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. So they also added aggravated sexual abuse to it Mm -hmm. and then use of a firearm. Yep. Yeah. All right. So um, he stays in jail for a while. And within 10 months, in the early fall of 1995, um, his trial starts. Now, prior to this, he was able to get a pretty good attorney who his dad had hired. Again, like I said, his dad um, was well known in the community and and had the funds to be able to get a really Mm. good lawyer. So this lawyer filed a pretrial motion to suppress the confession. I mean, I would, too. Right? If I was a lawyer, yeah. I mean, they messed up. But the court denied it. Of course they did. So the trial begins in the fall of 95. They hear a bunch of different testimony. Um, and ultimately, he is found guilty in a special circumstances verdict. So he was found guilty um, of on three crimes. So the first one was committing a crime of murder with malice, afterthought, um, and then deliberately and maliciously and with premeditation. The second one was committed in um, perpetration of a kidnapping, and the third one was committed murder in perpetration of sexual abuse. Mm. Um, the jury unanimously voted for the death penalty. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm going to tell you, I knew this story well. And it scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, it scares um, me now. You know, I I didn't want to go on any trails. You know, it just, it was scary. So I remember this very well. Now, he was convicted and given the death sentence in October of 95. So a year after the crime. Okay. Three years later, in April of 1998, his death sentence was overturned. By the North Carolina Supreme Court, due to his recorded confession coming after he had asked for a lawyer. Well, duh. Yeah. So he had said, I want a lawyer. But here's the thing. He just kept on talking. Kept on talking. 
in life. Which, I mean, on his part was smart because, sure, confess to it. Yeah. Get it out of the way. But, you know, if the courts had done their job, he even this wouldn't have even tried. Exactly. Because, I mean, as crappy as it is, but it's the fault of the frickin' sheriff and the investigators who kept questioning him. Do your dang jobs. Sorry, that just irritates me. Well, and it and it seems like it was pretty much the sheriff who was running this show, yeah. less than the investigators. You know, they could have been sitting there going, what are you doing? You know? And I'm sure he did some good things, and this sheriff did in his life. But this was a, you messed up. Yeah. And you're just lucky that someone else decided, hey, we'll still try this, and we're going to keep the confession. Yeah. When In all actuality, they probably should have thrown it out. Probably. Yeah. Well, and then March of 2000, so two years later, his charges were reduced. Yeah. From the first-degree murder charge to a second-degree murder and second-degree kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the case, without a confession, was yep. largely circumstantial. And that really just sucks for, for her and for her family that all of this could have been... Because he would have confessed. Yeah. I mean, we've we've seen that. He would have confessed. But because one person didn't do their job correctly. Exactly. We now have this mess I think that there's... I I can understand. I'm sure there's pressure to solve, pressure to, you know. Right, of course. And it may have been... Maybe knew the family personally. Like, maybe there was some... You know, and so there's that stress of, like, I'm going to get a confession. I know it's this guy, you know, Mm -hmm. but... Having, we've got to control ourselves, making sure that he has representation, that kind of thing. Yeah, because then things like this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has a consequence, and Absolutely. this was a bad one. So, there were some other things to note that came out in March of 2000. They said that the bullet fragments that came from Karen's body, for some reason, did not match the shells that were found at the crime scene. Or the shell. Huh? Right. I, that makes no sense no. to me. And then investigators couldn't find any fingerprints on the duct tape or gun magazine um, because, well, they had been outdoors in the elements for a month. Yeah. And it rained, maybe snowed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of that evidence was gone. And then that also makes me think, would that affect bullet fragments? Would that change um, the shell casing any to where it appeared different? I don't know. So what do they even have as evidence on this guy? I mean, without the confession. I mean, obviously they have the confession. But they can't really use. I mean, connecting back the gun to him and the items that that were bought at Kmart, including, excuse me, including the duct tape. But the shell, I mean, the fragments didn't match the gun, did they? That's what they say, but I... That's so weird. I mean, there's just not... I mean, without the confession, if I was sitting on that jury, I would have, I couldn't have convicted him. It would have been hard to, yeah. Because there's so much reasonable doubt now. I know, exactly. Jeez. So, he got a new prison sentence. So, as I said, his death sentence was overturned, Mm -hmm. and he ended up getting 31 years and received, and at this point, this is the year 2000, he received credit for the five years that he had already served up to that point. So, really, he was only looking at 26 extra years. Yep. Um, and then on November 6, 2000, so six months later, six, nine months later, mm-hmm. um, a federal grand jury returned a superseding bill <laughs> of indictment charging him with the following. 
One count of using a firearm during and in relation to a crime of violence, specifically murder, kidnapping, and aggressive sexual abuse. Um, So at the trial, the government called 22 witnesses, um, and during the guilty phase, they introduced extensive evidence and testimonial evidence, including his own confession. So wait, are we allowed to use a confession or not? So I'm guessing they decided, well, we can use this confession because he said he did it and he gave details that I guess no one else would really know. So I guess this is just getting him out of the death penalty. Well, in 2001, a grand jury convicted Jackson of using a firearm on federal land because remember, they were in a Uh national park and killing Karen with that gun. So the Federal Court of Appeals upheld the conviction of his death sentence, and it was restored. Okay. Yeah. So he got, (laughs) so it's kind of like, all right, death sentence? You're you're convicted, death sentence. Um, And then it's like, oh, no, second degree murder, you're given 31 years. Oh, no, first degree murder, federal property, gun, death sentence. I mean, not that I don't want this for this guy. Right. He did horrible we got to follow the rules, man. I know. So he is back on death row, and he is currently in Indiana. Okay. The reason he's in Indiana is because this was seen as a federal crime because it happened on federal land. Right. So um, he is continuing to appeal his case and obviously the death sentence, and so he's still sitting there. And it has been 25, let's see, almost, gosh, Almost 27 years since the crime happened. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm, again, I'm glad he is where he is. He deserves Definitely. to be there. Deserves for horrible things to happen to him. And Karen was a beautiful girl. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is if anything goes wrong with this, you know, conviction or, you know, if for some reason his appeals go through, this hurts Karen and her family. Mm-hmm. More than anybody. And that, I think, is what makes me so angry. Well, and I think of people that we don't normally, you know, kind of talk about or think about. I think about uh, Richard Allen Jackson's children and his wife and, like, the pain that they went through. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, losing a husband and a father, you know, um, because he made these choices, um, but also the backlash that they may have to deal with. You know, and they were just innocent. Yeah. So that's, I think about that too. That's yeah. going to be really, really tough. So that <sighs> is the end of the story for now. And I will give you guys updates as it goes along because um, who yeah, knows? It's still Maybe ongoing. It's still ongoing. Um, and I really didn't know that there had been this flip-flop and yeah. I had no idea. That's I just so knew weird. who had done it. And the thing I think that always creeped me out is I was like, oh my gosh, my grandparents used to talk to him all oh the God. time. And that also, just a plug for your grandparents, it's nice to be social, but let's <laughs> rein it in a little just bit. Just bring that just, right back on it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. My yeah. grandpa would talk to anybody. <laughs> and my grandmother, you know, they were like, she was from New York. You yeah. know, and uh, he was from North Carolina, so they they were a very interesting couple. Yeah. But yeah, they were just like, well, you're friendly. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Friendly. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's the heat. 
Exactly. The heat's turning on. It's on. We we bring the heat, boys yep, and girls. It's on. Um. All right. So I thought we would give a little shout out. Um. To this time overseas. So. Ooh. Um. I see this over and over and over again. And if I butcher this, I'm really sorry. But Ipswich, England. Ipswich. Ipswich. Ipswich, England. One of those. Um. Thank you so much for listening to us. I love England. I love the UK. Um, so, you know, send us an email and uh, let us know. Hey, hello, jolly good. Oh my God. Actually, it would be really nice if you wrote jolly good in the email. Like, jolly good. Oh I love Haley. Jolly bad. <laughs> Holly sucks. So, my, um, my cousin, um, Susan... Um, her partner Debbie, they live in England, and Debbie's from she's from England. And mm. when they came over one time, I was probably in like middle school or something, and so she's got like this you know the amazing accent oh, that I just love to listen. Good. I would just sit there and listen to her talk, and she's fascinating. She's such a cool lady. But I was um, sitting there, and she said something about we were talking about the weather, and we're like, oh, you know how is it over there? And she said, oh, the weather's been rubbish, and I was like, ah. <laughs> why but like the word just like rubbish. rubbish just really i was like that is i was fascinated i love things um like oh brilliant you know oh. or i love um when there's not those prepositions you know like i was just joking yeah. about the walmart uh-huh. so i love that brits say when he was in hospital uh-huh i was like ooh, when he was in hospital not the <laughs> hospital just hospital or when you or, take out your prepositions exactly it, it gets us excited <laughs> <laughs> that accent and lack of prepositions let me tell you that is so <laughs> but seriously, I love the accent. I love that. Yeah, like that's it's a good just. One. Do you know one time my aunt? You know how I play with accents. And stuff? Mm-hmm. My aunt dared me to go uh, for like an hour with. I had been watching a lot of. Um, oh gosh, what's that show? It's on PBS. It's about the British um, nuns and nurses who deliver. Uh, call the midwife. Have oh you seen yeah, that yeah. One? I haven't I, seen that. I'm talking about. It's a great show. Anyway. Um, but they're like East London, you know, mm-hmm. and so I had seen that and that accent was in my head. And so my aunt's like, I dare ya. So it was really great fun. I went into the Dollar General. See, the, I put the preposition. The Dollar General. I went into the Dollar General and uh, the whole time I was doing a British accent and the lady asked me, oh, are you from England? And I said, oh yes, I am. And she goes, oh, now mind you, it would move from like a little more proper English to like, oh, jolly good, to like the chimney sweep. So I'm like, oh, bugger, I forgot my chimney sweep. Like it just, I'm killing Haley now. I'm sorry, England, if you all have left. I'm certain they have. I think they've lost they're, a lot of country. They're gone. They're just gone now. We're sorry. If this has been offensive, I, you know, we're having a great time though. I'm enjoying. There's this a high immensely. likely. There's a high likelihood that I have offended many people from many different countries. <laughs> so my whole thing is, why stop now? Honestly, they're gone. They're Grab gone. your nappies. Oh my god. And your nappies or diapers. I I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, England. Goodbye. 
Well, well, or hang around if you It was liked great it. while it lasted. Let us know if you're horribly offended or if you loved it. And we'll or laugh. it turned you on. You like Southern <laughs> girls. Hi, y'all. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, we can get those accents going. Oh, God. I've got so many. When I and, get and really my, tired, my Southern comes out. Well, and I can do, you know, all my grandma, my, my one grandmother has passed, but um, she would talk like this, you know, <laughs> Holly, get my cigarettes. <laughs> and then um, back when she smoked. And then my other grandmother's Midwestern, so mm-hmm. she's like, oh, Holly, oh, I knew it was six o'clock and you were in bed asleep, you know. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my southern comes out a little bit when I'm really tired or slightly intoxicated. So. A friend of mine was telling me that she had listened to the podcast and she said, Haley was really southern in that episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, yep. Depends on how tired I am. Exactly. It comes out. Exactly. I was talking to somebody the other day and they asked me where I was from. And I said, no, I'm from, from here. Like, I'm from North Carolina. And they're like, no, you're not. I know. I was I- like, what do you, like, I think I am. I've, Yeah. I've gotten anything from San Diego to Pennsylvania, um, mm. and anything in between. I don't... People can't really narrow mine down, and I think it's... I mean, neither of my parents have accents, mm-hmm. so I think that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Are you from England? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Are you? Um, no. No, I'm not, <laughs> but sometimes I'm from England, and sometimes I'm the chimney sweep! <laughs> Well, if you'd like to send us an email about our um, lovely accents and... Uh, she said, R, that was sweet. She meant me. <laughs> and let us know how much you love them. You can send us an email to mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. And find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> I wish you all a lovely week. Uh, Haley. Yeah? What are we going to learn about next week? Oh, next week's dark. Um, <laughs> we are going to learn about... Would expect nothing less. Um, another one with multiple murders. Um, this one's a little... It's a little different, though. Um, it's... It involves a, a mother who um, tragically lost several of her children. Oh my gosh, you so, know that always like, I know, it gets her going. I've oh given her a, you have a little bit of time to prepare She's got to give me a heads so. up because then I'm just going to start crying in a yeah. corner. Yeah. So. All right, well, <laughs> that's tonight. We'll worry about that next week. I hope you all have a lovely, lovely week and we will see you then. Bye. Bye.